0: evening. Good to see everybody who's here tonight. A little bit different time difference here as far as the daylight goes. Uh, Our bodies are still saying we're on the old time. Uh, And now it looks like we may have this time permanent (laughs) after yesterday uh, from the Senate. So once that passes the House, uh, that'll be a done deal. I think they say the last of 2023. Uh, So when the time is supposed to change in 2023, it won't change anymore. So uh, that'll be good for some and not good for others. (laughs) Uh, I did hear that uh, in the winter in December in in Boston, uh, sunrise will be at 8 (laughs) o'clock. So it won't be good for them. Uh, But glad to have you with us tonight. Glad you could join us uh, there on Facebook, on uh, Twitter, on YouTube, all of those uh, live streaming platforms that we have there, as well as our phone live streaming. want to encourage you to share to heart, to like. The uh, to, to comment and let others know that you're there. Uh, tag some people in it. Uh, give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Subscribe uh, to those. And then we have our phone live streaming, uh, which is 855-532-4025. Uh, and when you get that call, if you're one of those individuals, that's the number that it will show. Uh, we may be looking to change that number here in the next few weeks. Uh, we'll keep you updated on that if you are one of our phone live streaming individuals. But let me encourage you, if you have access to the internet there, Uh, to go to highlandbaptistchurch.com to our church website there. Uh, it's under the info link that you can get our our bulletin uh, for this week as well as our children's bulletins If you're here in person, you can find those uh, in the windowsills here if you need one of those uh, But we have children's bulletins for ages 3 and up and ages 7 and up uh, Lots of things coming up that we want to make you aware of uh, and some needs also that are in there uh, That we want to make you aware of and then also don't forget to be praying for our Annie Armstrong Easter offering Just continue to be praying continue to be praying what God would have you to work to give towards that uh, and while you're there on the church website you can do your online giving. Uh, you can designate to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering uh, and, or, and also to the budget there so I encourage you to take the time to do that if you're in person you can do that online too or you can leave it here in the offering plate uh, there are some special envelopes if you need them uh, for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering that you can put it in but if you put it in one of these just be sure to write on it that that's what it's for or to designate what portion is for, for what and so just want to make you aware of that And Then also while you're there on the website under the info tab, go ahead and get your prayer list downloaded. We'll be going over that in just a few minutes after our song, and so I want to give you some time to get that downloaded so that you can be able to follow along with us. And let me remind you once again, we do have just a few of the books left. If you're here in person and you want to get one of those, The Illustrated Life of Jesus, if there's somebody you want to take one to, uh, be sure to pick one up. Uh, If you want to take one to someone who's not Uh, a a member who doesn't attend regularly, if you'll just pick up one of the guest bags, just take one of those, there's some in the guest bags there uh, that you can take that as well as to share that information about our church uh, with your friends. Uh, and if you're there online and you want one of those, or you're on our phone live streaming, just call us at the church uh, or send us an email or comment there if you're on uh, any of those social media platforms, and we'll get back with you to, to get that sent out to you. And then don't forget that we also still have for our Revelation study some of the uh, numbers, um, cards uh, of what the numbers mean uh, in the book of Revelation. So we've got that available for you, and we're starting tonight Uh, to make these available for you. Um, It's a Revelation prophecy chart. It comes from Dr. David Jeremiah's Turning Point Ministry. Uh, We've just kind of copied it onto a card to make it one long thing for you that you can fold up, put in your Bible. If you want to get one of his full handouts, you can go to his website on Uh, turningpoint.com or uh, look up David Jeremiah for that. Uh, It's a free resource that you can order and they'll send it out to you uh, for free. Uh, But we do have some of these cards with us tonight if you're here tonight and want one of those. We're going to be getting into the prophecy part not next week but the following week. Next week we're going to be finishing up this section on the seven letters to the seven churches uh, with the last part here uh, of Revelation chapter 3 which you'll see a little bit of it tonight. So I just wanted to make you aware of that so you can go ahead and request one of those, get one of those, and that way uh, you can go ahead and have that and be ready for that in a couple of weeks. Brother Mike, if you'll come, lead us in our hymn.
1: Turn your handles tonight. Good to see everybody. To uh, 604. Come on, Christians, be committed. 604. Miss Pat? <laughs> you
0: And hopefully you've had an opportunity there online to get your uh, prayer list uh, downloaded. So I just want to take a moment here to go through some of those requests uh, that we have. Uh, And maybe there may be those that you want to add. If you're there on uh, Facebook uh, or YouTube or Twitter, you'll want to get back over to Facebook to make that comment. That's where we'll follow uh, any comments there of any requests uh, for prayer that we want to add from our online audience. Uh, from those in person, be ready to share those here uh, in just a moment too. I just want to share with you a few updates of several uh, individuals. Uh, Beverly Daniels is doing uh, really well uh, from her her cancer treatments that she's been through, so uh, just continue to keep her in prayer, but uh, things are going great there. Charles Saunders uh, is doing great, so if you didn't hear uh, that report that he had had his feeding tube removed, Uh, and so we just praise the Lord for that. They're looking to be able to come back uh, soon. And then also, uh, just want to update you on Christopher. He's doing great. He's been doing his therapy halfway through his therapy now uh, and and has about three more weeks to go with that, so just continue to keep him in your prayers with that. Uh, Alicia Snell had her biopsy and got her results back. Uh, It was benign, so we praise the Lord for that. Uh, Johnny Barnes had some issues, uh, with her medications and she had to go into the hospital for a couple of days, uh, about a week and a half ago. So just continue to remember her with her medical issues and then continue to remember Erin Murray, uh, with her, uh, cancer, uh, her breast cancer and the things that are coming up for her. I believe April the 6th is going to be her procedure, so you'll want to keep her, uh, in your prayers. Uh, on the friends and family side, just to give you a few updates here too, Parker Crouch is doing great. Uh, saw the update from his wife uh, today, uh, and he's he's walked up the ramp <laughs> like he uh, She had never seen him before, do you? and so he was doing great. Um, and then uh, Mamie Thompson, who is uh, Amy Raymond's mother, she was in uh, the nursing home uh, uh, over at. Uh, it just went out of my head. Morning Point. Uh, and she is no longer there Uh, she's in her own apartment now and so that's why we have her over there just to remind you to remember her in your prayers and then bonnie binkowski who is my uh, sister-in-law's mother uh, she passed away and they had her uh, funeral this past monday so keep that family uh, in your prayers Uh, debbie norman uh, who is my cousin's wife uh, she is continuing to improve Uh, she is uh, talking now Uh, they've closed up her trait that she had Uh, and everything seems to be doing well uh, with her. She's eating well, just a lot of rehab still to get her strength back from COVID, uh, that she was uh, on the ventilator in ICU for about almost two months. Uh, So just continue to keep her in her prayers that she'll gain her strength uh, back. And then Stanley Binkowski, who's at the top, who was Bonnie's husband, Uh, that we've asked you to remember in prayer. He had open heart surgery and he's doing well from that, but they still have a lot of things uh, that they have facing with, with the passing of, of Bonnie. So keep them in your prayers. Any others that we need to mention or in here that you need to add? Okay, and so for those of you listening online, uh, just to let you know, that was for Wendy Crouch. Uh, she's had her last treatment, and she'll have her first scan uh, in April, so to see how things went with that. Uh, and then also, just to update you, too, on uh, Wes McMinn. Uh, that's Amy's uh, dad. He is uh, doing well. Uh, and the um, let me just share with you her message that she sent me earlier. Uh, this afternoon she said her dad's bladder the place there on his bladder was benign and so there won't be any further treatments uh, for him at this time either so we just praise the lord good to hear all the good news that we're hearing tonight we get so much bad news Okay, and that's on baby Layla. Uh, She's doing better. She's at home, got her own seizure medicine, and so we praise the Lord for that, too. Yes? Amen. Amen. Y'all just keep sharing the good news. (laughs) Elmer Bell is the one that we just mentioned there. Uh, For those of you online, uh, we can remove him from the prayer list. He's doing much, much better. That's Bethel's brother. Uh, So uh, just praise the Lord for that. Thank you so much for your prayers uh, too for all of these. Okay. And that's David Hess. Uh, he is uh, Jim Hess, uh, his son. He plays uh, baseball down at uh, Tampa Bay. And so uh, just continue to keep him in your prayers. He's doing great. Uh, and his surgeon will be going down and sometime there to watch him play also. But uh, just to kind of also uh, check on him, keep a close monitor on him, make sure everything's going well. Any others? Any other updates there on Facebook, if you have any? I don't see any there. Alright, well we do want to continue to remember the people in Ukraine. Uh, keep them in your prayers. Uh, we want to keep our ministries uh, in your prayers. We do have a couple of ministries uh, that we have uh, recently begun. Uh, we're starting back with our uh, prime timers. So if you've not signed up for that, be sure to do that on the board out in the hallway. If you're at home and you haven't done that and you want to come to our prime timers uh, catered meal that we'll have in April, it'll be April the twelfth. Uh, just give us a call at the church office and we'll get you the information uh, on that. And then also we've started on Fridays. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, with the food ministry that Westside Nazarene is doing. Uh, We need volunteers to help us on Friday just for two hours, 9.30 to 11.30. Uh, You can just do one hour if you want. A couple can do it for the whole time, uh, however you want to do that. But we do need at least two people uh, for that time, and so just want to encourage you, if you can, uh, to sign up for that. If you want to do that from home, too, let us know that, and we'll get you signed up. We have had some uh, who have done that, too. Uh, But it's a great opportunity. All you have to do is just uh, be willing to open up, to clean up a little bit afterwards, make sure everything's locked up, uh, and be able to talk to people. Uh, That's the biggest thing. So if you can talk, (laughs) that's a great opportunity. We have some information to give uh, to those individuals who are coming in and also about our church and and sharing the gospel with them. And so uh, just want to encourage you to sign up for that and help us if you can. Uh, You can see what dates are available on the board. If you need those dates from home, just call us and we'll get you those dates. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer then. I don't see any other requests or any online there. So uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you. Wow, you are so great and so awesome and so mighty. And Lord, we just want to come praising your name that you sustain us in your hands, you provide for us and care for us, even when we don't always realize it. And we just thank you, Lord, for uh, keeping us safe. Uh, keeping us in your arms and, Lord, walking with us each and every moment of each and every day, that you know the troubles that we're going through because you are all-knowing. Father, you are present with us everywhere we go because you are ever-present. And, and Father, I just pray as we come before you, we know that you are all-powerful, that there's none of these requests we want to bring before you tonight uh, that are too great for you. And so we just want to come before you tonight. First of all, Lord, making sure that there's nothing hindering our our prayers with you. And so we just come confessing our sin. Lord, if there's any sin in our hearts, let the light of your word shine into our hearts to, to bring to mind, to bring to thought anything that we might need to confess before you to seek forgiveness of and to repent of. To turn away from that you would hear our prayers from on high father we do want to be effectual fervent praying people and so father i pray that you would uh, just continually do that for us every day that you'll reveal those things that we might confess them and that you'll wash us with the precious blood of jesus christ lord whatever it is as we confess it to you lord we know that that the blood of jesus is, is sufficient for our forgiveness, and so we come before you, Lord, asking for you to forgive us afresh and anew to help us to have that open door and open window to heaven uh, directly to you as we come to you in prayer. Father, we just give you the glory for all of these praise reports that we have heard tonight, so many. And, and Father, there may be even others that we've not mentioned tonight. So we just want to uplift all of those to you and say just thank you, God. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for showing yourself powerful uh, and faithful in, in the midst of sufferings and trials that people were going through to see them through Uh, father others lord who who are still going through uh, these difficult times some lord who have uh, long-term physical illnesses we just ask lord for you to continue to show yourself faithful demonstrate your miracle working power lord in a powerful way that we might use it as a testimony uh, to glorify and to praise your name uh, of all you have done uh, for us and father i just pray that in uplifting the name of jesus and uplifting Uh, These miracles that you are doing in our lives, may it be used, Lord, to speak to people's hearts, to let them know that that you are with us, that you love us, you care for us, and you want to heal their greatest problem, the problem of their sin debt. And so, Father, I just pray that you will uh, stir our hearts. Lord, fill us, Lord, with the power of the Holy Spirit to be effectual, to be uh, faithful, Lord, in doing the kingdom work that you've called us to, to be faithful in our prayers, to be faithful in our service before you. And I just pray, God, that as you fill us as individuals with the power of your Holy Spirit uh, to do the work you've set before us, Father, I pray that uh, you will fill our church and, and overflow out of our church, Lord, to the community around us, that they will see that there's something different in our lives, and Lord, that they would want to know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. Father, we pray that you'll have your healing hand upon each and every one of these individuals. Uh, Father, we uplift them to you and ask you to walk with them, to bring comfort and peace to their hearts as they're going through difficult times. Some have upcoming procedures. Uh, Others, Lord, have just come through some and still have some rehabilitation. So, Father, we just pray for you to strengthen their bodies, help them, Lord, to overcome, Uh, and, Father, we just pray for your will to be done and your name to be glorified and honored. Lord, comfort the hearts of those who have lost loved ones and we just pray for your peace that passes all understanding to be present there for them, uh, to to walk with them Lord, those who remain in the valley of the shadow of death, to to help them Lord, to lean upon you and to trust trust in you and may you see them uh, through to the other side, and Father, we just uh, give you the glory and the honor for what you're doing uh, all around this world. We still want to uplift the people of Ukraine and ask God that you will place a hedge of protection about them to continue to fight the battle for them. Father, I pray that you'll uh, protect lives and keep them safe. and And Father, we just pray that uh, you will be glorified and honored in and through that. We pray especially for uh, the saints that are there in Ukraine, the people who know Christ as Lord and Savior, the missionaries who are who are there and who have been there. Uh, Father, I pray that you uh, would not let the door close there uh, to the gospel spreading and going forth, but that you would keep the door open uh, for the gospel to continue to go forth amongst those peoples and even into places like Russia. Father, I pray that you will uh, just uh, show yourself faithful in that and continue to lead and guide our leaders uh, in this nation in what uh, course of action we can do to support uh, the work there. And Father, I just pray that uh, you will lead and guide our nation to make right decisions that will glorify and honor you. Lord, we pray for our service tonight and ask, Lord, that you'll take the song that we've just sang, uh, take the message here in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, to speak to our hearts about the lukewarm church. And Father, I just pray that you will stir our hearts to never be like this church, to learn the lessons from this church and to learn what things we need to do so that we don't become uh, like a lukewarm church. Lord, thank you for all that you're doing and we ask your blessings on the reading and the hearing and the keeping of your word in Jesus name we pray. Amen. We'll take your Bibles if you will and turn to Luke, Luke chapter three. Luke chapter 3 and verse 14, we're only going to be looking at verse 14 through 19, very little at the very end that we'll see about 20, uh, 21 and 22. That's where we're going to spend our message next week uh, at. So chapter 3, verse 14 and verse 19 have entitled this message, The Lukewarm Message church. Uh, And so understand that we've been studying about these seven churches uh, in the book of Revelation, seven churches that are scattered all across that part of Asia. Uh, Some of these churches have been glad churches, uh, some of these churches have been bad churches, and some of these churches have been sad churches. Uh, Jesus had at least some good thing to say about every single one of these churches except one. And you know it's bad when even Jesus can't find anything good to say uh, about a church. What's even sadder is that this church describes a lot of churches all around the world even today. Churches that are in a lukewarm state spiritually. Uh, For example, consider some statistics. 10% of all church members can't even be found. 20% never pray, 30% never attend church, 40% never give to any cause, more than 50% never go to Sunday school, 80% never go to church on Sunday night, take a look around you, even on Wednesday nights, 80% never go to prayer meeting, 50% never give to missions, 90% never have family worship, 95% have never led a soul to Jesus Christ. Those are the kind of statistics that literally break the heart of God and and make God sick. Uh, But they're simply the outward reflections of a lukewarm church. This church at Laodicea uh, was a church that was blind even though they thought they could see. It, It was a church that was poor even though they thought they were rich. It was a church that was naked, even though they thought they were clothed. It was guilty of one sin that makes God sick to his stomach the sin of lukewarmness, the sin of spiritual apathy, the sin of sitting on the fence spiritually. And so, what makes this all more, all the more serious, is to see uh, who it was that had such condemning things to say about this church. Notice verse 14, if you will. This verse describes Jesus Christ for us. Again, we've seen descriptions of him already in the book of Revelation, but notice his description here in verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen... The faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. And so notice the the first thing here. He is the confirming Christ. Uh, He is uh, the the words of the amen. Uh, Jesus is the amen of God. Now that that word amen literally means truth. Uh, Amen is a word of confirmation. It means that's the way it is. So it's okay for you to say amen in church, because you're saying, that's the way it is, that's the way it is, preacher, amen, amen, that's the truth. Amen is a word of confirmation. It's a word that's used to affirm and to confirm the truth of something that's said. And so Jesus himself is the confirmation himself and the affirmation of all the promises of God. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. It says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And so what that means is is that Jesus is God's confirmation that he will keep all of the promises that you find in the word of God. So Jesus, understand, he's not two-faced, he's not double-tongued, he is the living proof that God does what he says and says what he does. He is also the consistent Christ. Notice he is the faithful and true witness. So notice here that Jesus is a faithful witness, that he does not dilute the truth. That means uh, he he won't water it down. Uh, He just tells it like it is. He is also a true witness. That is, he doesn't distort the truth. He doesn't shade the truth. He doesn't tell a half truth. He tells all of the truth, but he also is a witness. That is, he doesn't deny the truth. He tells the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth because he is God. So you can never accuse Jesus of of spiritual perjury because he will always say the things that are right and and the things that are true. He's not fickle. He's not unreliable. He hasn't ever and never will he need to retract or modify uh, any statement that he's ever made. He doesn't change with the wind like we so often do. Uh, When when he speaks, uh, he doesn't give personal opinion. He gives permanent truth. Now, all of that's important, because of what he's about to say about this church and that's why John is being sure to include what Jesus says here uh, because he wants us to understand the basis of the accusation he's about to make about this church he's not telling you a half-truth he's not telling you uh, he's not trying to water it down about this church he's just telling you plain like it is he's giving the permanent truth he is also the controlling Christ because notice he's the beginning of God's creation. He's the beginning of God's creation. Now that doesn't mean that he was the first created being because Jesus is not a created being. John chapter 1 verse 1 says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. So what we're told here is that Jesus is a part of the Trinity. Uh, He is the creator of everything and therefore the controller of everything. And so everything in this universe is is under the direct control of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says this in Colossians chapter one, and verse 16 and verse 17, it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Not a blade of grass, not a speck of dust is moved without his permission. It's the, he is the confirming, consistent, controlling Christ that has evaluated this church at Laodicea and finds this church to be a lukewarm church that literally makes him sick to his stomach. And so now we're told a couple of things about this church and a couple of things about the Lord in this passage. So the first thing I want you to see is in verse 15 and verse 16, it's one of the two things about this church. First of all, this church was desperate in its condition. It was desperate in its condition. Uh, That's what you're going to see here in verse 15 and verse 16. So he says, I know your works. Now, he said that to other churches also. He's put them on notice. You haven't done anything that I didn't see. You might have thought you were hiding what you were doing or what you weren't doing. But I have seen your works. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot would that you were either cold or hot. Now this church was in a worse condition than any of the other six churches. It was a lukewarm church. It was a church that was neither cold nor hot. Uh, It was a lukewarm church. They were were a little too cold to be hot and a little too hot to be cold. Uh, There wasn't any spiritual fever, but there also wasn't any spiritual freeze either. Uh, They were uh, a little too bad to be good and a little too good to be bad. Uh, They were too cold to boil and too hot to freeze, if you will. And so you think about that, you know, you take something that you drink, maybe take some milk or some tea, and you can either drink it hot or you can drink it cold. Many people like to drink hot tea, some people like uh, hot milk to drink before they go to bed. But if if you take tea or milk and you make it lukewarm, it becomes nauseous. Uh, that is, it becomes something that forces you to want to vomit, to regurgitate. It, it, it will nauseate you because it's bland, because it's watery, because it's a, a tepid taste to it. And think of that in the climate of where they are. They're in a desert, arid climate. Now think about this. If I take a glass of milk and I set it out in a, in a desert-type area, what's going to happen to that milk? It's going to get spoiled and it's gonna taste nasty when you go to drink it. So even if it hasn't curdled yet, and, and you've just left it out for a little while in the sun in the heat of the day, it's become at least lukewarm where maybe you had it cooling in, in, a, in a container in the stream. You know, years ago they used to do that. You'd take your uh, your food even sometimes and put it uh, in, in a container to put it in the stream to keep it cold, to keep it at a, a cool temperature. That's what they would do in this hot, arid climate here in the desert areas uh, of Israel. And so you get the picture here that to, to take something like that, to take milk from a cow or milk from a goat and, and you leave that sitting out. It's nasty. And so notice here, it it was nauseating. Verse 16 says, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. What a thing to say about a church. You're so lukewarm, it's so nasty, I just want to spit you out of my mouth. So notice here, this was a church, they weren't fighting Jesus, but they weren't following Jesus. It was just a kind of straddling the fence kind of church. It was a church that was lukewarm about its service. Uh, those who served uh, took their responsibility half-heartedly, maybe because they had more important things to do than, than spend time studying the Bible or teaching the Word of God. They, they never tried to reach out to others because, quite frankly, they didn't care. Uh, they thought they were doing the church a favor just by showing up. Uh, they were lukewarm about their service, and we'll see more of that as we get further into this letter. They were lukewarm also about the scriptures. There was no real hunger in this church to to study the word of God. Uh, They didn't enjoy the preaching. They just endured it. Uh, And and so I wonder what our relationship is to the word uh, of God. If the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, I'm afraid there's a lot of people that are walking around in darkness all week long. Because they never pick up their Bible, they never spend any time in the Word that's a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And so they're walking around in a spiritual darkness. The reason why many have no spiritual power in their life is because they have no zeal, no, no passion for the things of God. And so if you're not excited about Jesus, it's because you've neglected the most vital part of your walk with the Lord, and that's getting into the Word of God. You know, two things God has joined and no man can part, dust on the Bible and famine in the heart. They were lukewarm about their service. They were lukewarm about the scriptures. They were lukewarm about their sacrifice. Uh, They were were like, it was like they would sing sweet hour of prayer but never showed up for prayer. Uh, They would sing, oh, how I love Jesus, but when the offering plate was passed, they didn't even love Jesus 10 cents out of a dollar. They were lukewarm about their sacrifice. They were lukewarm about their soul winning, about sharing the gospel with others. It wasn't that they would've been against people being saved. They would've been for people getting saved. As a matter of fact, it was all right with them if people did get saved, but they just weren't excited about it one way or the other. Uh, They weren't concerned uh, whether or not their neighbors uh, were lost. They really didn't care if people uh, were walking forward and accepting Christ as their Savior or if if the baptismal waters were being stirred. As a matter of fact, if they had a choice between getting out of church at 12 o'clock or or people getting saved, they would rather much get out of church on time or 1130 here. (laughs) That's what being a lukewarm church would look like today. And I want you to notice what Jesus has to say about this lukewarm business. He says, I would that you were either cold or hot. Jesus is saying, I would rather you give me all your hate or give me all your heart than to stand somewhere in the middle. You know why Jesus hates lukewarmness? First of all, it it is the lukewarm Christian that keeps lost people from coming to Jesus. You know, one lukewarm Christian can do more damage to the cause of Christ than than all the prostitutes and and pornography and abortionists and drug pushers in the world put together. Dr. Vance Havner said this, the man of the world isn't laughing at Christians who get happy over getting saved half as much as he's disgusted uh, with us big church folks who are showing no evidence of a dynamic transformation experience uh, that makes us love what we once hated and hate what we once loved. Secondly, lukewarmness is an insult to God. The great preacher G. Campbell Morgan said this, lukewarmness is the worst form of blasphemy. Someone has defined lukewarmness as, uh, as a yawn in the face of God. I just don't care about all that stuff. God, I believe in you, but you just don't excite me. Do you know it's better not to believe in God at all than to believe in God and not be excited about him. Billy Sunday once said this. He said, God has more respect for an infidel than he has for a lukewarm church member. And I believe he's right. Because if God is who he says he is, and if God is who we say we believe he is, he is worth knowing, and he is worth loving, and he is worth adoring, and he is worth praising, and he is worth preaching about, and he is worth sharing with all of the unction and all of the function in our lives to share with our friends that they would get saved. Notice also it was a lordless church. You hop on down to verse 20 real quickly and we'll see amazingly in verse 20 where is Jesus he's on the outside and that's terrible that Jesus is not on the inside of the church so notice verse 20 he says behold I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I'll come in to him and eat with him and he with me he's saying all you gotta do is invite me in and this place to get excited And we'll do what you want to do. It it was a lordless church. He's on the outside of the church looking in. When Jesus is on the outside of the church looking in, that church is in serious trouble. You see, Jesus can go to a hot church, a church that's on fire for him, and that's a a great church where the Spirit of God is moving. He can go to a cold church. That is a a church that's that's spiritually dead because he has the power of resurrection. We already saw that in the spiritually dead church that we saw before. But even Jesus can't go into a lukewarm church because it makes him sick. This church was in such a desperate situation. Condition. Notice secondly that this church was deceived. Was deceived by its conceit. This is the second thing we learn about this church. They were deceived by their conceit. Notice verse 17. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered. And I don't need anything. I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, Poor, blind, and naked. So what's amazing about this church is they didn't even realize the miserable condition they were in. This was a sick church, but they thought they were well. This was a dying church, but they thought they were healthy. This was a church that thought everything was all right, and in fact, everything was all wrong. Notice they were deceived by their arrogance in verse 17. It would have been an interesting thing to visit the church at Laodicea. It would be kind of like today. They'd show you around the property. They would show you their beautiful worship center, uh, probably the most beautiful of all the seven churches. Uh, they would have told us everything, how everything was paid for, how much everything costs. They would have shown us uh, the expense of chandeliers, the, the tapestries, the plush carpet. If there was one thing you could say about this church, it's whatever they wanted, they got. If money could buy it, they could have it. Uh, they would say that they didn't lack anything. The problem was that this church didn't have the things that money can't buy. You see, you would have noticed that there was no fire in the choir. There was no power in the pulpit. There was no intensity in the invitation. You would have seen no one walking forward to come and receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, no one going down to pray, Uh, no one broken over their sin, no one being moved by the Spirit of God uh, to walk closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And furthermore, you would have noticed that no one even cared. The problem with this church was that they had decided they would measure their success by their wealth rather than their worship and their witness. Never measure your success by what you own. Measure your success by what owns you. The church at Laodicea was popular. They were prosperous, polished, proud. But they were powerless, and they didn't even know it. He says, for you say, I am rich. You say, we have prospered. You say, we don't have need of anything. Understand this. It doesn't matter. If a church exceeds its budget, it doesn't matter if a church builds new buildings or if it calls the finest staff or if it has the greatest choir or if it has the richest people in town going to that church. If that church isn't winning people to Christ, isn't bathing itself fervently in prayer, isn't walking with God, that church is a miserable failure and has lost its right and its reason to exist. And he wants to spew it out of its mouth. It was deceived not only by its arrogance, to think, oh, we've got it all. It was deceived by its ignorance. Notice verse 17 again. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing, or not you don't, you don't know. The sad thing about a lukewarm church is that it doesn't even know that it's lukewarm. That was the problem at Laodicea. This church was finished as far as God was concerned, but they didn't even know it. They were just a gathering, a, a social gathering, if you will, of people together. You know, and there may be some uh, as individuals, because we realize that, that this church was made up of individuals, and there may be some who are watching this or listening to this, and you yourself are a lukewarm Christian. You're not against God. You're just not excited about God. You you just want to go to heaven and and be left alone. You don't want the church bugging you about Sunday school or or sharing the gospel or or giving. You just want to come and and get your cup full on Sunday morning, do your duty as a Baptist, and be left alone. You think that you're doing all that you need to be doing. And what's so sad is that many who are lukewarm think that a message like this isn't, isn't for them, that we're preaching to somebody else. You know, it's kind of the thought that some people have, I wish so-and-so could hear that message. The reason we know this is because a lukewarm Christian doesn't know that they are the one that's lukewarm. Let me give you a little test. When, when we get through with this message, if you think that I wasn't preaching to you, you can rest assured that I was. <laughs> you see, the arrogance of this church was rooted in the ignorance of this church. Anywhere you find arrogance, remember you're always looking in the face of ignorance. There was a story I heard about a preacher uh, one time who had a man in his congregation that, that believed he, he believed needed to get right with God. And so whenever he would prepare his messages, he would always think about this man and, and pray for this man. And, and he would ask God to give him a word just for this man. But after he would get through preaching, uh, he'd, get it, he'd go to the back door and, and people would be greeting him as he'd come out. And this man would always come by. He'd walk out the door. He'd shake the pastor's hand. He'd say, Pastor, you really gave it to him today. You really hit him today. You really stepped on their toes today. Well, one Sunday, a tremendous snowstorm had hit, and guess what? Only two men showed up, the preacher and that man. And this preacher knew that this was of God. He knew that this man was right where he wanted him, and he gets up in the pulpit, and that Sunday he preached a hotter, fiercest, strongest message he had ever preached in his life, and he preached it right to that one man. And when he got through, he said to himself, He got him today. I just got him good. He'll know uh, that he needs to get right with God. He goes to the back door and he reaches out, grabs the man's hand, and the man says, Oh, preacher, that was a tremendous sermon. If they had just been here, you would have really gotten given it to them. (laughs) I wonder, as you're reading through the word of God, sometimes you think, oh, that's for somebody else. Because out of our ignorance, we think, he's not speaking to me. When really... The Lord is speaking to our hearts, and this message just might be for you. Notice, thirdly, we move from the indictments to this church to some information about the Lord. The Lord was definite in his correction. The Lord was definite in his correction. Notice verse 18. Jesus gives us here a threefold prescription that'll cure the lukewarm condition of any church. Or any Christian. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. So get the picture here. He gives them three things that they need to do, three things that we ought to do in our lives, a prescription that would help to cure any lukewarmness in our hearts and even within the church. Notice the first one, a renewal of spiritual values. Notice what Jesus is saying. He says there needs to to be a return to the gold standard. That is his standard. Because gold in the Bible represents righteousness. We're in the book of Revelation. You're going to see symbolism after symbolism and and gold represents righteousness. And what he's saying is they need to return to the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church needed to buy spiritual gold that is purified in the fire. So understand, as he's speaking this to the church at Laodicea, the church at Laodicea, uh, Laodicea itself, the city, was a banking center, uh, a manufacturing center. It was extremely wealthy. Uh, and Jesus is teaching this church that their wealth isn't true wealth. Uh, they can have all the physical gold they want, but what they need is spiritual gold. They need spiritual wealth. Why? So they can truly be rich. Gold, there we said, represents those spiritual riches, all the riches and the inheritance offered by Jesus Christ, all the spiritual things that make life rich and and overflowing, things like love and joy and peace and goodness and faith and assurance and confidence and security and hope. It's possessing all the abundance of life. Uh, Material possessions and, and material wealth cannot give those things. Earthly riches can't buy love and can't buy joy and peace and happiness. Riches cannot keep a person healthy, nor can it keep them alive, nor erase our emptiness or our loneliness. Notice where spiritual treasures are found, in Jesus. Where does he say to buy this gold from? Me. You get it from me. So if we're to be spiritually wealthy, we have to come to christ and secure the wealth he has jesus is saying you won't find peace in gold and you won't find peace in greed you will only find peace in me notice the second prescription he gives them a renewal of spiritual virtue notice the second part here of verse 18 he says not only do you need to buy gold refined by fire you need white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. So in the scriptures, the, the word white, the description of white, signifies purity. And so what the church needs, what the, what the people in this church need is to buy white clothing. Now, he's not talking about going out in the marketplace and, and buying some white clothes. Uh, think about this. The city was also a clothing center. It it was a large textile and manufacturing center. And so Jesus is telling them this, no matter how much clothing this city manufactures, you still lack the real clothing. What this church needed was spiritual clothing. Why? Because of the shame of their spiritual nakedness. And so that wouldn't be exposed. He's saying, you don't even realize you're walking around spiritually naked. It refers to the righteousness of Christ. To the pure righteousness of Christ that makes a person acceptable to God. That we're to be clothed in His righteousness. The old taken off, the new put on. A person has to be clothed in the righteousness of God, has to put on the righteousness of Christ. Understand this, that God doesn't accept a person because they're religious. He doesn't accept a person because they've been baptized, because they belong to a church, because they just attend worship or do religious works or profess Christ only with their lips, just because they do good or just because they give generously. There's only one way that a person can be acceptable to God, and that is by being clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. And so if a person is not in Christ, if they haven't been clothed in the righteousness of Christ, then they appear and will appear spiritually naked in the great day of judgment. They'll be ashamed before God and rejected by God. So Jesus is saying to this church with all of your polish and all of your possessions and all of your popularity and all of your pride, you are a poor, powerless church, a church that has become weak through the wickedness of arrogance, and through the worthless of ignorance. This church needed to remove the rags of their filthy righteousness in which they were so proud and put on the robes of God's righteousness that was the only acceptable clothing. Notice the third prescription, a renewal of spiritual vision. Notice verse 18 goes on to say, Not only do they need to have this gold refined by fire and white garments that may clothe yourself, but notice also, and salve to anoint your eyes. A lukewarm church, he's saying, is blind, and the church needed to buy eye salve. This city was well known not only for its textiles and its riches, but it was also known for its medical school that concentrated on treating the eyes with a famous eye salve from that region. Jesus is telling them that no matter how much you treat your physical eyes, you're still blind. You're still in the dark. Why? Why? because they don't spiritually see the light of the Word, world, Jesus Christ himself. They see only themselves. They looked and, and, and what did they say? Uh, you remember uh, what they said about themselves back in verse 17? What did they say? For you say, I. I am rich. You say, I have prospered. You say, I need nothing. You see, it was all about them. It was all about them, that's all they could see was themselves. They saw little, if if, if any, of Christ himself. They didn't see their need for him, nor did they see what his presence and his power could do for them and for their church. They were blinded to their own need and to Christ and to the great difference he could make in their life. That ISAB means means, uh, the God-given ability to see spiritual truth, to see yourself spiritually the way God sees you. They needed to depend upon Jesus to give them that ability to see the light of the world. You see, a lukewarm church is blind and it can't see the lost people around them that are dying and going to hell. It can't see the brokenhearted who need the love of Jesus. It can't see the the carnal Christian that needs correction. It can't see the eternal because of the temporary. It can't see the spiritual for the material. It can't see the forest for the trees. And so Jesus says there must be a renewal of your spiritual vision. So how does all this come about? How can a church and how can a Christian, renew their spiritual values, and and, and renew their spiritual virtue, and their spiritual vision, there's only one way, and we see that in verse 19, those whom I love, now notice here, even though they're a lukewarm church, Jesus still loves them, and he says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and, what's that last word? Repent. That word zealous literally means to boil. What Jesus is saying is you need to get on fire all over again. You need to get back to where it was when you first came to faith in Christ. That fire needs to be rekindled. The fellowship needs to repent. You notice that every time one of these churches had a problem, what did Jesus always tell the churches to do when they had a problem? That one word, repent. So I want to tell you that there's not one problem in the life of a Christian, there's not one problem in the life of a church or or a denomination that old-fashioned repentance and brokenness and confession will not cure. Notice the second thing about the Lord in verse 20 to 22. We're not going to spend a lot of time here. We're going to cover this more next week. But the Lord was deliberate in his concern. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And the word is, he keeps on knocking. And If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. And he keeps on knocking and he keeps on knocking and he keeps on knocking. Jesus changes the emphasis here from the church to the individual. And he closes out this letter by saying, as he said there in verse 20, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me, talking about the individual. He says in verse 21, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. He says in verse 22, he who has an ear, let him hear. Uh, Lukewarmness can affect an entire church, but revival comes to individuals. So let me ask you yourself this question right now. Are you turned off? Are you froze up? Are you on fire? There's only one temperature that the Lord wants and ultimately that is to be blazing hot with a flaming love for the Lord Jesus Christ. God delivers us now and forever. And and even if you're at that place where you are cold, he can take the cold and set it on fire by transforming and changing it, reviving it and resurrecting it. But our prayer ought to be God, deliver us from the nauseating sickness, and sickening sin of lukewarmness. And may we always be excited about the one for whom everything else pales in comparison, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would not be lukewarm. Hot or cold, but never lukewarm. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word about this church at Laodicea. Father, I pray that as we come before you in prayer, maybe you've spoken to our hearts. Maybe we've been watching online or we're here tonight and we realize, Lord, that describes me, that hits me like the hammer on the nail head. I've been lukewarm. I've not been hot. I've not been cold. And and you've given me the remedy uh, right now is to repent, to repent of my sin. Father, I pray that uh, if we're here tonight, because we know this message was to a church, a church that at one time had been on fire for you, a church that had known you as uh, individuals that knew you as Lord and Savior, but they had become lukewarm, they had become apathetic in their walk with you. And so, Father, I pray tonight that if we find ourselves in that same place, may we take the prescription that we've seen tonight and may we repent of our sin and may we seek your face and seek your presence and get into your word and spend time in prayer with you and begin to let the light of the truth of your word guide us out of the darkness that we've been in. And, Lord, bring sight to the blind. Help us to see. Help us, Lord, not to be arrogant and to think, "Well, oh, this doesn't apply to me. Help us, Lord, to not be ignorant and to, and to think, oh, that's about somebody else. And not even know that it's us, Lord. It's us who's been lukewarm. Father, set us on fire for the gospel. Fill us with your spirit. And renew within us, Lord, uh, a faithfulness to you and a right walk with you. And, Father, I just pray that uh, you will do great and mighty things with us in the days ahead. Lord, we know that what this message is all about is not just the hearing of this word and not just the reading of this word. This message, Lord, is especially about the keeping of the word. And so, Father, may we experience that threefold blessing that you gave us in the beginning of the book of Revelation by living this truth and being on fire for you, repenting of our sin and turning to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much there online for joining with us uh, tonight. We'll be back Sunday morning, 9.15 for Sunday School. So come join us. It'd be great to have you. We're going to have a special service uh, this Sunday at the end of our service. We're going to be gathering around our ministry center building out here to have prayer uh, over that and have an open house for you to come through and see the building. Uh, So you come and and be with us. We'll be back for 10.30 online for our worship service. So if you can't be here in person, join us there. Uh, But you have a blessed week. Stay safe, and we'll see you this coming Sunday.